0: Speaking of couples, though, segue. I want you to welcome up a couple that's very near and dear to my heart, Steve and Lisa Thorngate. Give them your warmest welcome, please. Steve and Lisa are my parents, and uh, there are there's a picture up there that you can't see very well, but that's most of their. Most of their clan, although they've added some some grandbabies since then. Uh, I am six of seven kids, right? Do I have that right? Um, I do. And uh, but we are we have been going through our Among Us series for the last uh, for the last thirteen weeks actually, and this is our last week of it. And we've been talking about incarnate relationships. We started around Christmas time and Advent, going into Christmas, talking about Jesus's incarnate relationships here on earth and that he came to earth and dwelt with us right and coming out of that we've been talking about our relationships um, John had a whole series on, on relationships within the church uh, and there's some really good stuff there if you missed it i encourage you to go back and listen on the podcast or find it on YouTube and then when we got to the conference last Sunday um, Reverend John Reynolds was here and he talked about um, multi-ethnic church relationships and, and and a call to unity in those relationships and that was wonderful as well uh, we, uh, John already mentioned, there was, there was keynotes last week, one on, on parenting, one on marriage, and uh, Worship Well. Uh, last Wednesday night, we talked about peacemaking, and so we are really, it's really, we've been focusing on this, and this, kind of this last piece, besides the course coming up this week, we wanted to talk about today is, uh, is intergenerational relationships within the church. We have more than one generation at our church. Uh, a healthy church does have more than one generation, um, and we want to dig into that a little bit today want to dig a little bit more into what it looks like to, to be in relationship intergenerationally within your church community, to be discipled intergenerational, intergenerationally within your church community. And so that's what we're going to explore for a few minutes right now. I asked them to come join me and, uh, and share some of their experiences. And we're just going to kind of have a little bit more of a conversation this week. Um, see how they, I feel like we should have coffee up here. I have water bottles. I, what I should have done is put the water in a coffee mug. That's the pro move, right? That's like the, the Tonight Show or whatever. I, I don't know. I don't watch those. But anyway, we're going to start. I'm going to I'm going to read some scripture to us from Ephesians 4. Before that, I do that, I'm going to pray and we're going to and we're going to tackle this. God, thank you for today. Thank you for bringing us together. Thank you for church, Lord. Thank you for a chance to gather, to focus our hearts and our attention on you. God, you're worthy of our praise. You're worthy of our devotion. You're worthy of our attention. You're you're worthy of hard work, you're worthy of going outside when it's cold, Lord, you're worthy of all this and so much more. So help us to to praise you this morning, to give you glory this morning, the words that we sing, but also what we allow you to do in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, very quickly, I'm going to read, just as sort of a primer for this conversation, I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 4 up on the screen. This is from the NIV. So this is Paul talking to the church in Ephesus. We've been, we've been spending a lot of time in Paul's letters uh, recently. So, um, so th- this is, this is one, of, one of those examples of when Paul's giving instructions to one of the churches that he basically provides leadership for and helped to plant. And he says this, as a prisoner for the Lord then, that he was literally a prisoner, as a prisoner for the Lord then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? But he who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and becoming mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So that's a, that's a wonderful passage and a wonderful picture of a unified body of Christ, a unified church pursuing maturity, spiritual maturity together. And so I brought you guys here because you just look really Old. mature. <laughs> Aren't you glad you came? <laughs> I've got a lot more. No, I'm kidding. Um, but we wanted to start. We wanted to start because we're talking about intergenerational relationships, and there is so much. Um, there's so much commentary. There's so much talk about um, the differences between generations and how every generation's getting worse or better or however you view those things. Um, I love harping on millennials. It's a, it's a trick I like to pull because I'm 32, but I look like I'm 45, so it works really well. I um, actually am a millennial, um, I'm smack dab in the middle of that, but, but um, you guys, you guys have had experiences with church since you were younger than me, and until today, um, you're still a part of the church, you haven't backslidden yet, yeah, continuing forward, yes. yeah. we hope, um, so there's a lot, there's a lot that I'm, I'm interested in getting into with you guys. But the first question I want to ask, because I think it's a deep and, and profound one, is what would you guys say is the most millennial thing about me?
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're waiting for me to answer that first? Yeah, I was yeah, right. yeah, okay. Well, I would say uh, millennials, I'm told, won't do anything that doesn't seem immediately important to them. Hi, Cooper. It's good to see Cooper and Sam. Know a couple people here, apparently. They're waving at you? So, yeah. So Cooper's waving at me. Uh, where was I? Uh, yes. You you know, you. if if it doesn't seem important to you, you're not going to get involved. So 100%. You have to have vision for it. You're better about that than you were in high school, but <laughs> there it is. That's fair. Mom, what do you got?
2: Well, I would say two things. Well, first of all, when you asked us to do this, <coughs> excuse me um I don't look at people as millennials. I mean, sure. I just look at you as John, sure, or you know whoever, so I had to really think about it, and some of the things i th- I think about I think I'm not sure if that's because so and so is a millennial or just because that's their personality, but I think it's right it's intertwined, but one of the things that i I have noticed is the uh, ability to get people on board and and be a team player. I think that's really uh, a, a millennial trait of yours, hmm. and also the. Uh,
0: she went positive. I was just surprised by that. That's wonderful. Good
1: parent, bad parent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bring the heavy. And then first. the other thing
2: um, is uh, uh, your uh, the technology thing. I mean, everything's technology. I mean, I like technology, okay, but it's you know the generational thing is obvious there. So.
0: Yeah, Dad's really good with technology, though. He's always been. Kind I know. Of he, the curve. He, that, he breaks the mold. What yeah. can I say? All right. What's, what's a value that you wish my generation cared more about?
1: Well, I was going to say attentiveness, but everybody's paying really good attention. <laughs> so maybe I was wrong. Like, pre- like
0: uh, not being on these, that sort of stuff? Right.
1: So it goes back to the other thing, but if I'm in a meeting and I'm boring...
0: Everyone is just typing away on their computers. Right. You yep. know,
1: if, if that's happening and I'm saying something really profound.
0: <laughs> never mind. Sorry, I, was just, I was just reading Twitter. So sorry.
1: attentiveness. I would say attentiveness and also uh, just uh, I think uh, there's a different attitude about sin. Uh, most of the millennials I know were raised in church and most of the boomers I know uh, we're not. So we kind of have a different thought about that, about what we were before we got saved. It seems different. So.
0: Go
2: ahead. And I was going to say um, personal holiness. We see less attention on that. But honestly, I wish the same for my own generation. So I'm not sure that's just for millennials, but. Sure. It's, it's less stressed. And it it shows up differently too, right? Yeah.
0: The, uh, so we don't have any Gen Xers on the stage. So if you're that, or a Gen Z, I don't care as much about if you guys feel left out. But Gen X, if you feel left out, we apologize. We, you're underrepresented in this conversation. That's next week,
2: right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah.
0: Uh, but we hope that you still can glean something from it. Um, okay. What's something that you see my generation doing that you wish yours had done better?
2: Uh, your great parents. Thanks.
1: I think uh, you, as a generation, and Gen Xers are this way, too, uh, since you brought it up, and that is you're able to stay calm with your kids much better than people with similar personalities who from another generation won't mention any names. So that that calmness and just being present with them and caring about their feelings, you know, it seems real al- almost to a fault, but it's it's a good thing.
2: I was going to say all of that.
0: Yeah, my 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 two-year-old's feelings are valid, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. That would be. <laughs> I'm going to affirm what you're feeling, Benjamin, and then we can. Cr- yeah. <laughs> Do you, feel, do you think that generational differences sometimes feel bigger than they actually are? And if so, why?
1: I think this has a whole lot more to do with personality, stage of life. You know, uh, you probably don't know this, but in the 60s, my generation was rebellious. So uh, it has a lot to do with time of life rather than, I think, age. Uh, first of all, we really didn't talk about generations till millennials came about. Maybe it's a big, fat, hairy deal of it, right? So there's that. But yeah, I think it has more to do with with those other things. Really, it's more more felt than really true.
0: Yeah. Go ahead, ma'am. You sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Okay,
2: right. Well, I I don't think it's as big a deal as it's sometimes made to be. Um, Although I do really think that just as we age, our perspective changes in, in a lot of ways, you know. So things that I thought were so important when I was in my 20s, it's like, oh, that really wasn't all that important. I was blown that way out of proportion. But um, I think it has a lot to do with relationship. I think the genera- generational difference is, is less if it's a solid, a good relationship and more so if there's other factors that are hurting the relationship. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of, like, when it comes time to blame somebody for something is, is when it seems like there's a lot, uh, at least in my sort of feed of information that I see, about what it might be about how much college costs, it might be about something with jobs and how young people go to college and there's no jobs for them and whose fault that is, right? And is it the, is it the kid who went there and, you know, got the, got the arts degree or whatever, or is it their parents, you know, and, and some of it to me is just kind of like, who cares? <laughs> like, it, it, we have a problem. Let's figure it out. Like, it, it's just a weird thing to focus on. Who can we blame for this, you know? Um, okay. So starting to pivot towards church a little bit. You guys have been at one church for 32 years about. I know because I'm 32, and that's about when you guys were there, right? Um,
1: we started before your older brother was born, so I oh, would say 35 years.
0: 35 years. or Just in that building, I don't really know. But um, I, my life, it, in, in my mind, it's when I was born, the church it's began. A, it's the important part. That was the
2: important part.
0: <laughs> yeah. And now we can have church. I'm here, guys. No. But you guys have been at one church for, we'll call it 35 years, and... Uh, which means you've been the young people, right? Curting your kids to stuff, uh, keeping them up past their bedtime on Wednesday nights, um, making them stay and wait for you, and wait for you, and wait for you. <laughs> Not bitter. Um, but, uh, and now you are the, in quotes, old people, right? Um, and... You've had different roles throughout that, and now, so, uh, my dad still he, he works at a church, and a lot of what you do is is have like meetings with millennials now. And right, he says
2: meetings are his love language.
0: Meetings are his love language. That's yeah, um, that is not millennial, but uh, but um, so you've 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 seen that through different phases of your own life. I just want to know kind of what thoughts you have and what you've seen, what you've seen through that those experiences. And I'll just I'll tag on the second question too, and then you guys can just talk for a while, which is how, in in those settings, in terms of intergenerational relationships and discipleship, what have you seen work there? What in, through that process? Um, just share kind of. I just want to give you guys some time to talk without me talking as much. So,
2: take it away.
1: It's a first.
2: No, the first was when he got married, <laughs> and you did the wedding. <laughs> That's right. And you said, as <laughs> Leslie came down there, and he stood there, and he said, "He says I'm really looking forward to talking to you without being interrupted."
1: <laughs> did I really? Okay. okay. The question. <laughs> enough of that. Enough of all that. right. So, uh, I would. So, so some of the things that have changed. First of all, I think expectations are a lot different. We've always been a pretty informal church, but, you know, you had to wear a tie uh, when we started, otherwise some people might be offended. Now you can't wear a tie because some people might be offended. <laughs> Come to think of it, people really haven't changed much, have they? <laughs> but uh, one of the things I, I think about is that when we were building the building, uh it was real easy to get impatient with the older people and the ways they were doing things. And, uh, cause they were just slow. <laughs> and I think of that now that, you know, that I'm slow and try to be, try to, to stay out of the way. Okay. So we're starting this transition between, uh, John's dad and me leading the church and, uh, Which, looking forward to the time when, when these guys that we're working with uh, take over, I'm gonna—I call it the millennial reign, the future millennial (laughs) reign. But, but, people are still needy. People still come in with needs. Uh, People are still pretty self-centered. they're aware of their needs and not the needs of those around them so much. So that really hasn't changed very much. But style of leadership and expectations, you know, if uh, the current worship pastor, pastor's son uh, is running around the sanctuary or disappears, it, it doesn't seem to reflect on him <laughs> quite the way it was You know, I was criticized for those things. So I think that's that's a good change. Uh, You want to talk about anything that's different now before I launch into the next?
2: Sure. Um, He's referring to the time that uh, we led worship and we had a sound check and then led worship. And John figured out uh, pretty young that if he didn't show up for church after Sunday school, there really wasn't much we could do. So he would like... Not show up, so we talked to him and talked to him, and he would still not show up. So um, one Sunday we did we would do it like a couple songs, and then there'd be announcements, and then we'd do more songs. And after uh, the first couple songs, Steve said, "If I'm not back, start without me." <laughs> and I did. <laughs> I started without him, and he came in p- partway into the the song with John. I picture it like he's by the ear, but I'm sure it wasn't. But you know, his shoulders up, and John just had smoke coming out of his ears because he was busted. And the congregation was amused. So so I just had to tell that story. But um, when we were starting out as young Christians, uh, there were lots of do's and don'ts. And there have always been lots of do's and don'ts in church. I remember in college, I roomed with uh, two widow ladies, a mother and a daughter. And the older one was in her 80s, and we just called her grandma. And uh, she was a, a pastor's wife. And they used to take in college students when when they were young pastor and his wife. And she would clean the, the boys' rooms, and she would burn decks of cards because those were the devil's tool. And um, we the college girls that lived there thought that was hilarious. But it's been like that. There's been things uh, from generation to generation. And um, the do's and don'ts, when we were starting... Uh, Our church, um, this wasn't our church, but there was a a church in the area where if you were on the deacon board, you better not show up at a movie theater. You did not go. And um, the uh, attitudes towards, we'll say alcohol, that's changed a lot. Um, And I don't think that's all, any of it bad, but I do, it does concern me that there are, are things that are spelled out in scripture, you know, black and white, that we also kind of sometimes turn a blind eye to. And I think that's a a concern as the church continues, that we have to make sure that those biblical areas are addressed.
1: So So I just, as far as intergenerational discipleship, when I was in my 30s, uh, I had a relationship with an older guy. I guess they would call it the silent generation. And uh, he, we spent a lot of time together because he would come and help me with remodeling and and teach me how to do things. And frankly, the, the I didn't catch on to the character lessons very well, but I think I did better on the character lessons than like taping and that kind of stuff. So, uh, but We would just work together, and he would share life experiences, and uh, I didn't think of him as a mentor at the time, but I I did learn a lot from him, and I was able to share with him because he was a newer Christian. Then in my 40s, I had a, a younger guy that was always around, and we did a lot of projects together, and we talked, and he was newly saved, and so... I'd be able to share things. He learned a lot of Bible and a lot of inconsistency from me, and uh, and uh, actually, probably my wife did more mentoring with him than I did. Uh, but one of the keys was I didn't have to chase either of these guys. Fact is, I couldn't get rid of them. You know, and it's really hard to mentor somebody if you have to chase them, right? <laughs> you know. If, if it's just not, you're, you're just not always together. Now, uh, since then, I've had a lot of mentoring relationships with mostly Gen Xers. Uh, and sometimes, you know, going into the relationship, it's best for me if I don't realize that's what it is. We're just, I mean, there's only one really where I said, okay, I'm going to take you through this discipling course. And the guy said, yes. Cause it was like an assignment that I had to do and, and, and we're still friends today. So, but, uh, normally it was more informal and nowadays, of course it's in my job description, but I'm mentoring a number of, uh, people who work with us who are millennials or, or Gen Xers and just, uh, leadership mentoring. And, and it's, it's pretty natural, uh. The best ones are are where they just come around, and again, I can't, can't get rid of them. You know, I'm do someplace else, and this one guy will talk and talk and talk to me, and that's good. And it's always been value-added for me. There's always been, like I'm constantly learning from millennials, uh, and I hope they're learning from me, but it's always reciprocal. In my experience, and not not like a formal relationship.
2: I want to say that um, I think that's a really cool thing that he he will come home and tell me about a way we're doing things now or whatever, and that he's he really listens to the younger guys, and I think that's a, a an admirable thing. Something um, not you? No. 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 Um.
1: Well, that's reciprocal. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean,
1: we had a a visitor from Burlington in our church recently, and he said to me, uh, he knew me, but he hadn't been to church before. He says, which of of your sons was leading worship today? And uh, so I introduced him to the worship leader who is not my son, okay? But I always said he was my favorite guitar player because he did what I asked him to do, and my son's... So I'm sorry I interrupted. So
2: as far as mentoring, um, something that you said uh, jogged this in my memory uh, way long time ago when our church first started. We had what was her name, Sue Gantner, right? Her husband was a brewer at the time, Milwaukee brewer. She came and spoke to our latest Bible study, and she talked about the ministry of interruptions, and that has stuck with me all these years, because so many times we'll have our plan A, this is what I'm going to do today, and I got this list of things, these people I need to call, and I got to, or if you're a, I was a stay-at-home mom for so many years, and I was going to get these jobs done, and then you'd get that phone call, you know, where somebody needed you to listen. And she just called that the Ministry of Interruptions, and I think that is so many times what God actually has for us today, not what we thought, you know. Um, That's just an aside, because I think it's really true. But I want to just agree with what he said because I have to go home with him, and um, <laughs> and say that uh, I think that the the best mentoring situations I've been a part of have been the ones that have just happened. Sometimes it's like uh, there were we ran the worship team for so many years, and there'd be young people that would come on that we would well we would mentor as worship leaders, but also that relationship would develop, and um, you know we'd be become friends or be speaking into their lives. Um, and I remember one situation that just stands out to me because I didn't see it coming, and it it was just out of the blue. I was We were setting up for a, a women's event. Where it was a Friday night, and we had to set up the sanctuary. We had an all-day women's event, and the ladies that like to decorate were doing that. That's not me. I say, do you want that? No, whatever. It's fine. I don't care. Lisa, what do you? I just, just do it. I don't care. But I was, I was, our building is long, and it's a lot of walking if you're doing stuff like that. And I was going down to get something. I can't remember what. And, and this young, young woman just said hi, and I hadn't seen her for a while, and I knew she'd been through kind of a, a rough patch. And I asked kind of, I didn't want to get real specific, how's it going, kind of thing, and she started talking, Said so you got time to walk with me, because I, I had, I was doing all this stuff, you know, and we walked and talked, and just chit-chatted, and I, I, I didn't like speak scripture into her life or anything, we just kind of connected, and I got this text from her the next day, and she says, you have no idea, and I mean, I did have no idea, it was not a deep conversation, but she'd been through this horrible job thing, and it Involved someone else from church, so thats always hard, you know. And she said, "You—you you accepting me and reaching out to me and et cetera, et cetera—just meant so much, and I, and it was a God thing. I mean, as I said, I didn't say anything profound. We didn't pray together, but as I look back now, we have a re- that kind of relationship now, and um, and it was just God." putting us together, and I think we, we want to be careful not to um, skip over that when that happens, because I think God's always orchestrating something.
0: I think I think o- obedience in those interruption moments are, that's so important. It, it's hard to, I think there's, there's something about interruptions, whether it be, I mean, I came home, we had a worship while the other night, I got home at like after eight, and there was someone in our house, right? And that's pretty normal at our house. I just didn't know they were going to be there. That's fine. But there is there is some level of, if you want to be in discipling relationships with people, you, some of those walls have to come down where you can, you can say, like, here's this person who's, my house is not, like, it's not ready for company right now, and yet here they are. Like, those sorts of things, a level of vulnerability around those things, um, being able to, Being able to bring people into moments of your life that aren't just the best moments, right? When you're 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 in task mode or your house is a disaster and the kids are running around and and it's not all put together and prepared. I think that's a that's that's a really good and and big part of it. Um, we need to keep moving. So what I wanna do, (coughs) thinking about reflecting on that scripture, and we're gonna read it again in a minute, but reflecting on that scripture, that we're pursuing we're pursuing unity and maturity together. And I want to, as we're reflecting on that idea, I want all of us to have a chance to just share maybe maybe two or three things with our generation, so I'll talk to the millennials in the room, and you guys can talk to your generation, about how to pursue these things, how to pursue unity and maturity, how to pursue intergenerational discipleship together. And uh, I can go first. Um. Because I think this is, this is so important. Um, we want to have this culture and we want to we have this value within our church that we're not siloed off by people in the same stage of life. And those, we see those as the only people who can add value to our discipleship, add value to our walk. So the first thing I'm going to say to young people, um, and it's sort of echoing what they've said, but it's going to take, take work and vulnerability and don't wait around for it. So if you want someone to invest in your life, it's much easier. It's much easier to invite somebody in than to just to wait for somebody to walk up and say, "Hey, I feel like I'm qualified to invest in your life. Would you let me do that for you?" Do you understand how that's more intimidating than you reaching out and and inviting it? Um, the second thing, relationships are super important. Um, and uh, but I think one thing that my generation does is we 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 sometimes are too connection oriented. Like all we care about is um, what do we have in common? Do we vibe together? Do our kids get along? And we don't, we don't always think about discipleship as a part of why we're creating relationships at all, right? So, um, so it's, not, it's not just about natural fit. It's not just about like, oh, I would hang out with this person anyways. Church is about more than that. We have a higher call for our relationships. It's about, it's about communion with God ultimately, um, knowing God, being known by God, and, and, and having that same relationship with one another. And if we're stuck in this mode where we say, if it doesn't fit me, then it doesn't work for me, like that, that's not going to work. There's so much more to discipling relationships than that. The last thing I would say, and I think young people are really guil- guilty of this, is everyone is focused on whatever stage of life they're at, you know? And I think of the stages of life I've been through, and I look at people at different stages. But we get hyper focused on where we're at, and we think that somebody, some somebody, can only mentor me from a different relation, like from a different generation. Somebody can only invest in my life if they're if they're like basically able to be like come alongside everything I'm doing. So it's like you can't mentor me if you can't also take my kids, essentially that kind of you know. And some sometimes I just want to tell people like. You, it's not fair to ask somebody to be a grandparent to your kids. They might, they might actually have something that they can invest in your life, and, and, and it doesn't have to seamlessly be integrated into what you're already doing. It actually might take some flexibility on your part. It might take some hard work on your part as well. And our, we, what we do, our generation, we, I look at you guys, right? Or we look at people in your stage of life and say, like, they got nothing but time right? So, like, they should be able to 100% get on board with my schedule and do what, you know, and it's like, but yeah, but you, you have that times seven. You have seven kids who say that, right? Um, and you've got other things going on, and you put your time in. You don't have as much energy as you used to, and you've earned that, right? So, like, I think there is some level of pride in our generation where we just say, like, their life is so easy now, so why can't they come help us more the way that we want them to? And it's like, look, at least try to meet them in the middle a little bit um, and so that that would be my that would be my three things.
2: The first one I want to share is um, one of my I shouldn't use the word mantra because I'm not into that, but one of my key sayings, which is it's not about me I uh, have taught a, a women's study that the Lord just laid on my heart a number of times um, called Godliness with Contentment. And one of the first things I say, this is what I, one of the things I want you to learn in these however many weeks, is it's not about me. And I designed the study for young women, but some older women asked, can we come too? And I said, well, of course, I'd love to have the perspective. And this woman my age, after a couple of weeks, came up to me and said, every day I say, it's not about me. It's not about me. She said, I'd never heard that before. So I want to just say that. I think that we need to get over ourselves. You know, um, if I'm in a mentoring situation or, or whatever, it's it's just not about me. Second thing I want to say is um, it's our heart that matters, and uh, God's just just brought that to my attention the last several years. I mean, I, maybe I should have learned it sooner, um, but that what really matters is your heart. So when you're in a, a a relationship or a mentoring situation, it's not about it's not about looking spiritual. It's not about making sure that you get your points across. It's it's just about having God's heart to, to love and encourage. And it's about the relationship. And the last thing, oh, I thought you were going like that. I was like, yeah. Uh, thanks, honey. Uh, <laughs> that was weird. Um, <laughs> shoot, I lost my last thing now. What was my last thing? Um, uh,
1: nurture not.
2: Oh, there we go. Thanks, son. You've got it on there. Nurturing young leaders Um, at at our stage, we're we're trying to nurture young leaders and and get out of our job, you know. And I mean seriously, not that I'm anxious to, but that's that's what we're about. And um, nurturing young leaders to become to stay the distance, nurturing young Christians to become leaders, Um, and it's It's not about making a clone of us and the way we do it. It's just about speaking God's truth and watching watching what God's going to do and being able to you know just take a step out of your role and watch that happen. so
1: All right, that brings us to me. first thing is uh relationship trumps wisdom and so you've got to listen first. If you want to be in a mentoring relationship as a mentor with somebody, the relationship has to come first. I mean, you may have lots of wisdom, but if you don't listen to them, why should they listen to you? Second, pedantic pedantic—you uh, know, pedagogy, it's not; it doesn't work. So if you try to be too, I'm going to teach you this, 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 uh, I've never known that to work. Like I said, everything that I've done has been reciprocal. I learn more from them uh, than they've learned from me, I'm sure. I'm sure. I do have one millennial that is no good with technology. Believe it or not, I don't know. Maybe he grew up Amish. I have no, (laughs) no clue. But I'm constantly learning from millennials, including my children, but also people I work with. And finally, mentoring happens during, not, you know, it's not an event, it happens during. So when you can help, older people, when you can help in practical ways, whether it is babysitting or putting a floor down, uh, whatever, do so, take advantage of those times. I'm gonna say that more, more mentoring probably happens on your knees together in a project Carpeting, then on your knees together in the sanctuary, and then uh, the last thing I'll say about that is that discipleship mentoring happens better in circles than in rows. Okay.
0: Thanks, guys. We are gonna we're gonna go into a time of singing now. If the if the band wants to come up, I thought it'd be it'd be nice to conclude this that passage that I read at the beginning. Um, Talking about unity pursuing that. And we're actually going to go through that again. I'm going to have my dad read that. He's going to pray for us, and then we're going to we're going to go into a time of praise. So
1: as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with another one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all in all. But to each one of us has grace been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took on many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly realms then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming heavenly father i thank you for this opportunity to gather with this church may your blessing be on this church lord god on the families on the individuals the couples here lord god May they grow in grace and understanding. We thank you for their pastors um, who speak with knowledge and wisdom and an anointing that comes from you. Bless this time of worship now, Lord, as we lift our hearts up to you. Fill this place with your glory as we fill it with your praise. In Jesus' name.